Hello and welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott. What an incredible time we live in. The news cycle is so much dominated by the coronavirus story. This pandemic has gone global. It basically reshapes the functioning of governments, of whole economies, countries, of whole continents. It impacts billions of people. It has an impact on us, on you and I. And it alters the course of our church. This past week, we faced major news, such as the fact that the General Conference session will be postponed for a whole year. And now we know that it will be held differently than before. Many of us had all kinds of various plans for ministry and family projects this year. Some of those may have been in conjunction with the GC session. Now, everything is in the air. I don't know about you, but definitely can speak for Amy and I, and how deeply this whole thing impacts the shape of this year for us, for our family, and for our plans. One family shared with me this morning that they were supposed to travel to their mission field last week. And three days in advance, they were informed that their trip is canceled until further notice. That meant they had to unpack their entire container and are now staying with family. Basically being uprooted and stuck in this condition. I know many of you have very similar challenges. Having kids at home not being able to go out, having to cancel trips, and so many other consequences of this pandemic we experience in our lives. And yet we know that in all this, our Lord is very, very close to us. He gives us strength to look up to Him and move forward. And let's do that with our lives as missionaries. And on a small, tiny little scale, we'll do that with this podcast. We'll move forward. You're in for a treat today, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Just before introducing our guest today, I'd love to point your attention to the last week's episode. We had a special interview with Dr. Cheryl Doss. If you haven't had a chance to hear it, check it out. Cheryl is sharing timely advice and offers a sincere and deeply caring prayer for all of us facing this pandemic. You'll find the link in the show notes. So now, let's really move forward. On to our guest and the interview for today. If you are having to teach, even if occasionally, today's episode will be especially for you. Our guest today is a lifetime missionary educator, Carol Tasker. Carol will share her story and background in just a minute. But beyond that, she shares the gems of experience relevant to every Adventist missionary educator, teacher, and trainer. Carol, welcome to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you, Alex. It's a real pleasure to be here today. All right. So you are a missionary teacher. You have done that. You have taught in different schools in the mission field for many years. 
Could you share about your past, about your experience as a missionary educator, as a missionary teacher? Yes, I guess the path has been going on for quite some time, actually. As a young girl, I always wanted to be a teacher. I wasn't expecting to marry a pastor. When I married my husband, David, I thought I'd just be a missionary's wife. But the teaching and the pastor's wife has gone hand in hand over 40 years of service. Wow. Most of it overseas. So 37 years ago, we started our mission service in the Solomon Islands. Our boys were two and four at the time. And so my teaching was, as they got a little older, just involved in homeschooling. But then when they had other opportunities for schooling, then I started teaching in the school system in the Solomon Islands, later on in Papua New Guinea at our university there. Then we went to Andrews to do further study for five years and then back to Papua New Guinea for another six years. And we thought we'd probably be there till the Lord came, but then we were called to IAS to teach there in the graduate school. And we had a beautiful opportunity cross-culturally to teach in many of the extension campuses in Taiwan, in Chile, Myanmar, and around the Philippines as well. So it's not a life that I would have orchestrated myself, but that's the exciting thing. When you put your life in God's hands, it's amazing where he takes you. So, Carol, you and David would probably call yourself world citizens, but originally you were from Australia, is uh-huh. that correct? Yes. Right. Yes. Well, you had a beautiful experience giving you from the Lord, just like you said, to be able to teach in different places. So let me ask you this next question here. What do you see as the most important characteristic of an Adventist missionary teacher? What should we be like as Adventist missionaries? Yeah, that's a really great question. As I've taught teachers in Papua New Guinea, I was head of the School of Education there, so I was training teachers. And the one thing I wanted to get across to them was the fact that it's the character of the teacher that makes the biggest difference in the students. This came as a surprise to them, and I used to illustrate by doing a little bit of research in the classroom. And I would say to them, I'd give them a sticky note and I'd say, write down the three characteristics of the most important teacher that you've ever had. And then we'd collect all the data. And the interesting thing is that the character of the teacher, if he was kind or she was kind-hearted or patient or caring, that got about 60 to 70% of the votes. It wasn't the maths or the English or whatever the content of the subjects that they remembered. It was the character of the teacher. Then Isn't after that, that interesting? it is, yeah. And it was from their own experience that we got this data. And then 10 to 15 percent talked about the teaching expertise of the teacher, if they were punctual, if they had interesting teaching methodologies and things like that. That was 10 to 15 percent. Another 10 percent on their expertise in their individual subject, the science or the maths. And then if it was a Christian school, the spiritual influence. But by far, and I've done this maybe in 30 different classrooms, 60 to 70% it's the character of the teacher. So that, I believe, is, is really important. And Ellen White talks about the two characteristics of Jesus' disciples was that they were humble and teachable. And so that's the second thing I'd say, because Jesus knew that if he had disciples who were humble and teachable, he could teach them anything. And so it wasn't their expertise that he was looking for to start with. It was their teachability and being humble. 
And thirdly, Adventist education is all about holistic living, physical, mental, spiritually, and, and social well-being. And so I think it's really important that the Adventist teacher not only embraces it for himself, but becomes a model and then uses that to have conversations with the teachers in training and encourages them also to live that holistic, abundant life that Jesus has promised. Kirill, this is very interesting. Speaking of Adventist missionary teachers, it's a job that is probably full of stress, not just because we as teachers need to teach, which is a stressful job in a way, but also because we're doing it Mm cross-culturally. So now our character is thoroughly, thoroughly tested in these kind of environments both the classroom and the cross-cultural environment. So how do we develop that kind of character that a teacher would truly need to have? Yeah. Well, the good news is that it's the Holy Spirit that does it, I believe. I don't believe it's what we do, but it's the Holy Spirit working through us. And how does he have the opportunity? And that's where I think our effort comes into play. And that's in making sure that we have a positive connection with God on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I must admit that that has not always been my priority. In the early years of of mission service, there were so many things to do. I'd just get up in the morning, read a quick verse, pray, and then off on many different things. But about a bit over 20 years ago, I guess in 98, was when I was first introduced to the idea of scripture journaling by Dwight Nelson at the program there. At the end of the Net 98 series, he said... So how are we going to continue our relationship with God? And he just said very simply, go out to Walmart, buy an exercise book, choose a book of the Bible and start journaling. Just one or two verses every day. Pray and ask God to speak to you. And I started that in 1998. And he suggested we start with the book of Mark. And it took me about six months to go through the book of Mark. Two or three verses a day. And it was so rich. I'd never done it before, but sometimes I'd ask myself questions and I'd write it down, a question. And it was amazing how God actually spoke and gave answers and gave insights that, as I said, it was just very exciting. And so that has been what has kept me going in very stressful situations. The last four years I've been the director of of Adventist education for our division. And it was a huge job. It was overwhelming. So many things to do. But it was that time with God at the beginning of every day that really set my course, set my focus. And yeah, God was with me. So it's a conversation, would you say, that is for you had become so meaningful, which takes time. You know, you write out a journal, Uh you or talk with God or... What is it that you write down? What, what is it that, uh, that makes a difference for you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I pray and ask God's Holy Spirit to speak to me before I open the Word. And then I'll just choose a couple of verses and read them once or twice or three times or things, and immediately thoughts will come. It could be insights about the passage. It could be a question I've had. And this is what I'll write down. Okay. I'll write down. And, you know, often it's 20 minutes or half an hour or something like that. But it means that every day you've got something fresh to share in your family worship. You know, here's a fresh thought from God. You know, there's lots of good 
devotional books that are produced every year. They have great stories, but they were produced by people to whom God spoke. It's kind of secondhand when we read those ones, but when we ourselves connect with God and He speaks to us and we write those thoughts down, then it's like firsthand communication and words from God. Carol, this is so interesting to me and impactful, I believe, that talking about a ministry of an Adventist missionary teacher, you immediately think of their character and then to the root or the source of that character. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is the time we spend with God and yeah. how meaningful it is for us if that happens. So now speaking of your experiences, the many experiences that you've had, what do you think are the challenges that missionary educators most often face? I mean, we probably know our challenges, but if Mm -hmm. you would, since you have done it for so long and have seen so many people doing it and been working in this field, how would you characterize those challenges at the broad level? Mm -hmm. Yeah, another great question. The thing that I see as the biggest challenge is that teachers don't have time to connect with God before they leave their homes in the morning. They think of the marking they haven't done or the lecture or the class they haven't prepared and they've got so many other things on their minds, it's very easy to leave home without spending that time with God. But over the last 20 years, I don't go anywhere, I don't start a day without spending that time with God. And it's just amazing the way God wants to partner with us. And I've got a story from Papua New Guinea a few years ago. I remember going to bed very concerned that I hadn't had time to prepare my lecture. And the next morning I had to pass in a document with data from six students that were on campus. I needed to do it by eight o'clock in the morning and they didn't know that I needed to see them. And it's a fairly extensive campus. So I went to bed I tried to prepare the lecture, but I was too tired. I knew I needed my sleep. Woke up at the normal five o'clock or so in the morning, and I had a choice to make. Do I prepare the lecture, or do I spend time with God? But I said, no, I've got to spend my time with God first. And at the end of that devotional time, the scripture journaling and the praying, I always leave some time at the end in silence to wait for God to impress upon me anything that he wants to to tell me or just to sit in quietness waiting to see if there's anything and in that five minutes God actually gave me the whole lecture outline that I needed for that day the illustration the story activities to do in five minutes that whole lecture was structured and ready and I said thank you Lord and then I had to decide well do I have breakfast or do I start running around chasing these people and I thought no my body needs fuel for the day I need to have breakfast and then it was time for staff worship another choice 7:15 do I go to staff worship or do I chase these people and I thought no staff worship is important not only to feed me but also as a demonstration to my colleagues that this is important and I want to put God on his throne and so I went to worship 7.15 till 7.30. I now had 30 minutes to get all this information, but these people didn't know that I needed to see them. And as I was going out of the library after worship, students were waiting to come in, and the first two that I needed to see were just at the door waiting, not knowing that I needed to see them, but I got the information. Then I went a little further, 
And one of the students I needed to see was someone on the day but the bus from town, a day student, and they're the most difficult to locate usually on campus. But as I walked past one of the buses, that student that I needed to see was just getting down off the bus. So third one, thank you, Lord. Got the information from that person. Then as I was driving to the education building, the theology student who usually isn't in that area saw him and then five and six were in the education building just as I was going to my office. God is amazing. And I... You got six students that you needed just lining up in front uh-huh. of your path uh-huh. in that span of time, yeah. that, in that time yeah. frame. So by 10 to 8, in 20 minutes, I had all of it done and ready to send. And I just thought, you know, God heard me ask for his help early in that morning. But I've got that idea that maybe he said, Carol doesn't think I can do this, but I'm going to amaze her at what I can do. And I've shared that story with future teachers because I believe God wants to be intimately involved in every detail of our lives 24 hours a day. And he's just waiting for us to ask and to have permission to partner with us. And so, yeah, it's an exciting story. It doesn't happen every day but it was a way that God showed me he wants to be part of the missionary teacher's life. Thank you so much for sharing this, because that's, you know, when we prioritize our time with the Lord, then even, yeah, and we all can relate with the situation when we were supposed to be ready, but something happened and, and, uh-huh. and, and we're not. When we prioritize the Lord, he does his part as well and stands by our side. Carol, here's another question I wanted to ask you. So. Would you share with us an example or a story also of actually teaching cross-culturally from your rich experience? Mm -hmm. What does that take? Yeah. Well, the places that I've taught are largely story cultures. and uh, What does it mean? So they learn well from stories or observation examples. You know, in a village, the boys in the village learn how to carve a canoe by watching their father carve the canoe. They don't go to canoe school and get all the theory of canoe building, they just watch. And so many times I think the missionary teacher is probably being watched more than they're being listened to. And an example, I was in the Philippines taking a distance course for teachers and the subject was teaching faith and learning. So I had lectures prepared and activities and things. But this particular time, I was teaching at Mountain View College, a beautiful college in the south of the Philippines. But at the same time, there was a youth congress going on with 60,000 people on the same campus. And so finding the venue was an interesting challenge. And they said, first of all, I'd be in one space. And then I realized that that was being taken up by a display. And so they said, well, we can give you the science lab. So early the next morning, I went to the science lab and found that that was being used as a dormitory for this whole time. So that wasn't going to work. And then there was a library under construction. It had a roof, but no walls yet. And I thought, well, maybe that would be a good place. So we set up the class there, started to teach there. A roof, but no walls. Yeah. Yeah. And we got some chairs and they brought a blackboard and that's all I needed and we started and then... Speaking of a flexibility of a mission. Uh, well, teacher. flexibility, yeah, that's an important 
that just goes without saying really but anyway we'd been going for about an hour and then I saw all these people at the door and it was time for prayer at this youth congress and that was the spot that they had designated as the prayer room so I invited all the students to stand and take their books and I said to them, I think we're going to feel like Moses and the children of Israel today, looking and finding the place that we need to go. So for the next little while, we wandered around the school buildings looking for a place and found a little caged area right on the top of one of the buildings. And we thought, well, nobody's going to take that spot. So we sat down there. The sun was shining and there wasn't a roof on that one so much. So there was only a partial shade, but we continued the class there and then at 11 o'clock we suddenly realised that there was a loudspeaker system that was surrounding this cage and 11 o'clock I think it was Barak Maganda was the preacher and they wanted the preaching to go to the fields where some people were working and stuff as well and so obviously it was an impossible place to have the class so I said to the students well I think now's a good time for a break have a break, I'll meet you downstairs in in 20 minutes and hopefully we'll find a place. And we prayed and I finally found a computer room and so for the rest of the three weeks we had the computer room. But at the end of the day I apologised to the students. I said, I'm sorry, we haven't done as much as I would have liked to share. And they said, well, actually, we've learnt a lot about a Christian teacher and how you teach and you've taught us a lot by the way you reacted under each situation, realising, just putting it in the hands of God and letting him lead and guide. Amazing. Thank you so much. That is one thing that we really try to stress at Mission Institute programs that we do for missionaries, that we don't specifically talk to missionary teachers like you and I are talking Mm -hmm. right now, but being flexible, being Mm. ready for change, just finding a place and an opportunity to teach without probably facilities or whatever accessories that we're used to in other places, just being ready to do those things creatively, that is a big thing for Adventist missionary teachers, that is for sure, because we never know what Mm. what can happen. Mm. All right, Carol, do you have any other tips about nurturing our spiritual life as a teacher? It is very much a theme for our interview today, Mm -hmm. the character and the spiritual life. What else would you advise to Adventist missionary teachers out there? Yeah, another good question. A couple of weeks ago, I'm currently at Mission Institute again because we're going back to New Guinea, and we had a beautiful morning of praying, and we did it in various categories, and we spent two hours of praying together, which was wonderful. But some people wonder how you can continue that program of praying both individually and globally and they wonder how to maintain intercessory prayer especially when they go out to the field and I know for a number of years I would offer to pray for people and I'd add it to my list and the list would get longer and longer and so instead of enjoying the praying time it becomes a bit of a burden because the list is getting longer and how do you cope with all of that? Very practical problem if we were serious about fulfilling our promise to pray for people, which we say often, mm-hmm. and if we follow through, then we yeah. are faced with something yeah. like that. So I don't know where the idea came from, but probably about 20 years ago, I started praying for different things on different days of the week. 
So Sunday, which is the day closest to Sabbath, we've just had Sabbath worship, often there are emergencies to pray for, somebody's going to be hospitalised or something the next week. So Sunday is my emergency day. So any of these special requests will be put on the Sunday. Monday, M for Monday, M for Mission. So I keep a list of mission requests. Maybe it's the God Pods in Papua New Guinea or Hope Channel or some evangelistic campaign that's being run somewhere. So Monday, M for Monday, M for Mission. Tuesday, I pray for relationships. It could be parents not getting on well with their children. It could be husbands and wives, perhaps, I've heard, who are having difficulties. It could be someone having trouble with their boss or whatever the situation is. So that's Tuesday. Wednesday, midweek, often that's the night for prayer meetings. So on Wednesday, I pray for the church that I'm currently a member of. And I can't give the whole list of church members, but I just ask God, who is it in the church that I need to pray for today, including the pastor and his wife? Thursday, I like to remind myself I'm part of global mission. And so I pray for the three officers at each level of our church. So first of all, Ted and Nancy Wilson, Ivy and GT Ng, and Juan and Belkis. Prestog. And then for my division then, my division president and his wife and the treasurer and the secretary. And now that I'm going to Papua New Guinea, it will be the union president and his wife and the three officers there and then the local mission. And that reminds me that I'm part of the World Church and every so often I will write to these people and just say, Thursday's your day and I pray for you and your wife. And then Friday we're getting close to Sabbath, so I pray for the lost sheep in the family, you know, the uncles, the aunts, the cousins who used to worship, and I just pray, God, this is Friday, the preparation day, please impress them with your greatness and goodness and remind them of the happy times that they used to have when they worshipped with us and please speak to them. And then Sabbath, no requests, just praise and thanksgiving for another day of worship. So that sort of spreads out the whole list. And so every day I look forward to the list for that particular day. It doesn't get boring. And of course, every day I pray for my husband, my children and the grandchildren. They're the daily ones, but this is a way for intercessory prayer. Thank you for sharing that. So you talked about journaling, mm-hmm. which is definitely part of that spiritual upbringing or nurturing of our character, and also the intercessory prayer, praying for others, which is very much part of our spiritual life and also can make a difference in the lives mm. of other people. Mm. Carol, I have, time is flying so fast. I have one more question and then the last question. Okay. <laughs> the one more question will be, you mentioned you're going to Papua New Guinea with David. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could just share with us, with our listeners, it's a new missionary assignment. Now, 40 years working cross-culture in the church, you're taking one more assignment going cross-culturally. Where are you guys going? You said Papua New Guinea. What will you be doing there? What will David do? Okay. So we're going to our senior university in Papua New Guinea. We have over maybe 1,200 students there. Previously, I was the Dean of School of Education and David was Dean of Theology, but this time they've combined some of the schools and he's going to take on the Dean administrative role and I'm going to be Director of Research and Postgraduate Studies. 
Wonderful. So my very last question is, would you be willing if some of our listeners, if they happen to be missionary teachers, may want to know more about journaling or some of the other aspects that we talked about today, that they would contact you? Sure. All yes. Right. So what we will do, we will just share your contact information mm-hmm. in the show notes. Okay. And people will be able to find that and contact you. Yeah. Carol, thank you so very much for coming on to the podcast and helping us pay attention to what's most important for Adventist missionary teachers. Thank you, Alex. And I wish all those who are listening God's presence and blessings for every day of your life. As we conclude, let me remind you not to miss our show notes for this episode. There you'll find links to some of the resources mentioned by Carol. By the way, if you have access to the IWM Community Home Group on Workplace, or if you are a follower of the IWM Facebook page. We are running a special poll this week titled, How Isolated Are You? It's a one-question poll. It's got several options, requires one click. We'd love to see you participate. But above all, friends, we simply will be really happy to hear from you personally. Just shoot me an email. Let us know how you're doing in these unsettling times. At Institute of World Mission and the Missionary Care Team, we are committing to pray for you personally, for your situation. All it takes is for you to share your update and your prayer requests with us. My email is otta at gc.adventist.org. You'll also find this email referenced in the show notes. Write to us. To make sure you have the best experience with the IWM podcast, you'll want to subscribe. This will make every episode available and ready for you on your smartphone when you're ready to listen. And lastly, if you know an educator, a teacher, a trainer who will appreciate hearing today's episode, share a link with them. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.